the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez in the book of Luke. Christ came down and healed many people. He healed the sick of their infirmities, cast out demons, cleansed lepers, caused the blind to see, and raised people from the dead. Most importantly, he forgave men their sins in order to restore a loving relationship between them and the great and amazing God that created them. The religious elites of the day, the scribes, Pharisees, and Sadducees, hated Jesus and wanted to see him dead. We join Pastor Will in Luke chapter 8, verse 1. Jesus says, had some run-ins with the Pharisees. They have not reacted very well to him, but others are responding to him. You know, the religious leaders are becoming more hostile, but many are turning back to God through Jesus' preaching and healing ministry and his service to people. Some of those people, they decide to make the decision to assist Jesus, to come alongside and, and help him out as he travels from town to town. They become known as his disciples. While they're his disciples, crowds are continuing to come. The fact that there are some who are disciples and some who are just part of the crowd shows that not everyone embraces Jesus' teaching. And so as Jesus is continuing to preach those crowds, but they're not embracing his teaching, Jesus starts to change his tactics a little bit. He begins teaching through parables, starting with the parable of the sower. And one of the most important parables, in fact, Jesus told the disciples, he said, if you don't understand this one, how are you going to understand the rest? And we'll explain why at the end, why you need to understand this parable. So as we study this most important parable, maybe realize the importance of hearing Jesus in a way that will make us disciples and not just part of the crowd. So chapter Eight, we begin in verse 1. And it came to pass afterwards, so after the events of chapter 7 with the woman who was a sinner who washed his feet and with Simon the Pharisee as Jesus reached out to both of them. After those events, it says that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And I love that about Jesus. He didn't just go to the cities because that's where all the people were. He went to the cities and every village, both the populated areas and the insignificant areas. Everybody mattered to Jesus. Didn't matter if it was a big town like Capernaum where he was from with tons of people, probably the largest city there on the Sea of Galilee, or if it was Beantown, Nazareth. He would go and visit all of them and preach and teach to them. But it mentions here that the 12 were with him. Now, he'd already selected the 12, and they would go wherever he went unless he sent them off on a mission. Sometimes he would send them out to go and prepare cities for his specific message he would preach to get them ready for that. But most of the time, they were just with him wherever he went. But they aren't the only ones who are going wherever Jesus goes. Look at verse 2. It says, and certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and of infirmities, they were there too. It's interesting because in Jesus' day, rabbis taught that it was wrong for a woman to read the sacred texts. 
Rabbi Eliezer, a contemporary to Jesus, said, Rather should the word of the Torah be burned than entrusted to a woman. The Talmud, these are Jewish commentaries on what they believed back then, states, Do not speak excessively with women, for all women's conversation is lewdness. Men were taught never to greet a woman in public. Philo, a Jewish contemporary writer to Christ, he taught that women should never leave the home except to go to the synagogue. So for Jesus to have women disciples, female disciples here, he is breaking cultural and religious norms. I mean, he is going against the grain of everything that culture said and religion said in his society. There's something else we need to point out. Not only is Jesus breaking cultural norms, but so are these gals. These women are braving a lot of scorn for being publicly involved in Jesus' ministry. What are you doing out here? From their fellow women, because that's what they believed was godly or spiritual, from obviously the men, they were braving that, but the idea was nothing would keep them from following Jesus. Now, Jesus' actions shouldn't surprise us. In the beginning, the Bible says he created them, male and female. God didn't create women superior to men or men superior to women. Galatians 2.28 states that in Christ, because you wouldn't find it anywhere else in the world, in Christ there is neither male nor female. God doesn't say, okay, the men, they're the really spiritual people here, you know, so let's talk, let me talk to them. No. He views us all in the body of Christ as equal. He doesn't love men more than women. Jesus doesn't love women more than men. And I dare say, in the past, you know, women have usually been the brunt of things, and I'm not so sure it's the other way around these days. The funny thing is we never, we never get right. We're always to some extreme because we're not in the truth. God loves everybody. Everybody has a place in his church. We shouldn't emphasize one over the other. These women, they shunned the scorn of serving publicly alongside Jesus because of all he'd done for them, because of how much he had loved them. They loved him back. And isn't that why we serve him? Isn't that why we all serve him, men or women? We love him because he first loved us, Right? That's why we serve him, and that's why they served him. Nothing would stop them. They didn't care what the culture said. We're going to follow Jesus. We're going to learn from Jesus. We're going to serve Jesus. Who were some of these women? Well, it mentions one of them was Mary Magdalene, out of whom went seven demons. She was from the village of Magdala. That's what Magdalene means, so it just means Mary of Magdala. The village of Magdala was only discovered about 15 years ago, and very powerful being this little tiny village. It's in, not very big at all, and the synagogue is probably not even as big as a stage, very small synagogue, because it was a small village. And to think, as you're sitting there, and you're looking at that little synagogue, just the, the bottom layer of it, and you think, I wonder if that's where Mary heard Jesus for the first time and where he set her free. I mean, can you imagine how miserable she must have been prior to that, possessed by seven demons? Can you see why she's one of Jesus' most dedicated followers? But he set her free. I want to encourage you, if the enemy has had his way with you for a long time, Jesus can set you free. He can give you a new life if you just commit it to him. Now, what did they do? Well, it says, and it also says there was Johanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod Stewart. Herod Stewart would have been the guy in charge of all of his palaces. So, I mean, this is a powerful individual, so his wife is a believer. And then Susanna, uh, we don't know who she is, but she was apparently prominent because she's named. It says there's many other, many other women too. 
What did they do? Well, they ministered unto him of their substance. The word there, minister, means to be a deacon, to wait upon or to serve. They were meeting the practical needs that were there for Jesus' team, whatever those were. The Bible calls Phoebe in the book of Acts a deaconess. She was helped on the travels where mission teams would go out. She would help with the practical needs in a church. And there are those needs still today, of course. So these people were served, these women were serving the Lord and his team. And the Bible says here they did so of their own substance. They did it on their own dime, which means they were likely of some means. They were likely of some wealth. Riches are not evil. Uh, it's what you do with them that makes it good or evil. And they used their wealth to bless the Lord in some way, shape, or form. And, uh, and it was a blessing to them. Well, now that we've met the team, Luke points out the change in Jesus' teaching. For it says in verse 4, when much people were gathered together and were come to him of every city. The phrase there, come to him, it's in the imperfect, which means they just kept coming, kept coming from every city. This was a huge crowd. Uh, Mark and, uh, and Matthew tell us that he preached this parable by the seaside. And as, as people are coming in, it's crowding him toward the sea. He had to preach from a boat. So, I mean, this is a massive crowd, one of the biggest crowds. Jesus has ever had. Now you would think if you've got one of the biggest crowds you've ever had, it's time to give your best sermon, right? I mean, this is one you would, you go, I got to pull that one out because I mean, this is one I got to make count because I've got things, you know, if I'm asked to speak at a larger gathering, I think this is my testimony or this is something that's special to me. I know it's blessed a lot of people in the past. Maybe I'll share that again. But Jesus, it says, instead of doing that, he spoke to them in a parable. Now what's a parable? It's an allegory. It's a short narrative, a short story with a symbolic meaning. So it's not a sermon. It's just a short story. What was it? Well, verse 5. And it's very likely that in the distance, a farmer was probably sowing seed. And Jesus looks over and he says, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, by the, the thoroughfare where people were walking. And it was trodden down and the fowls of the air devoured it. Some fell upon a rock the bedrock, rocky ground. And as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And then other seed fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, which means he shouted out, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Sermon over. Shortest sermon ever. I will never preach a sermon that short. I guarantee it guarantee it. You need to know you can count on some things. Interesting little story. We see here four different types of ground that seed falls into. The sower went out to sow his seed. I don't know about you, but like when I'm cooking dinner, I don't just kind of go, okay, you know, here's some for us and just some randomly to throw somewhere. No, all the food goes in the pot. I want to make sure it all gets in the pot because we've got a lot of mouths to feed. We want to make sure we use all, all the food for the purpose of what it's designed for, which is to feed people. So the sower, he certainly wanted the seed to grow everywhere. He didn't throw it on bad ground on purpose. He, wasn't, he, he was hoping that it would, stuff would grow. He was hoping that it would grow on the wayside. It would grow in the bedrock. It would grow where the thorny plants were. He was hoping it would grow there, but it was bad ground. Now, the first bad ground was the road. And it mentions that because it fell on the road, it was trodden down because people are walking. So the word there means to be trampled with the indication that something's ruined. The seed is broken. It, it can't grow anymore. The road isn't good ground. So the seed, it becomes damaged. And it says the birds of the air, they're the only ones who actually get any worth out of it. Then the second type of ground was the 
a rock, the King James says. It means the bedrock. Do you remember the story that Jesus told about, or the parable Jesus told, uh, not the parable, but the illustration Jesus gave of the wise man who built his house upon the rock? Same word here. That's the wise man who dug deep to make sure he went to the fount- to bedrock, and then he made the bedrock the foundation of his home so that when, it, when the storms came, the water wouldn't just seep in through the sand, the soil, but it would hold, the house would hold firm. So that's the same thing here, but the difference is you don't have to dig deep. It's not that there was no soil, it's just that the bedrock was close, so the soil couldn't, wasn't very deep. And so it mentions because of that, it sprung up quickly because it didn't have to go deep to get planted, and then it withered away, it dried up because it lacked the moisture. The word there for moisture, ancient doctors, and Luke's a doctor, so that's why I use this word, they use this word to describe the juices of the body. In other words, the necessary stuff that we need to keep life going, the water and the blood flow inside of us. Uh, In other words, the bedrock couldn't hold the necessary water from the rain like the soil would to keep the plant what was planted alive. So when it sprung up real quick, it dried up because it didn't have the juices of life going through it. Verse seven, the third type of ground, it says it fell among thorns or where thorny seeds were so that when the thorns, a thorny bush sprang up right alongside the, the crop, it choked it out. The idea here is you got a thorn bush that's growing and overshadowing the crop and so it doesn't get enough sunlight. And as a result, it chokes the life out of it. And there's the sunlight required to sustain growth. It can't receive it. And so the, the crop dies. And then lastly, we get the good ground, which in the word there, phrase there, good ground, means the ground required to give the expected results. We got flowers recently for, well, I got flowers for Bev for Mother's Day to plant in the yard. And, and uh, if we put them in the wrong type of sunlight or whatever, they're, they're not going to grow. We put them in a prime spot where the sun would hit it, where rain would get to it, and where we could water it easily and observe it easily and take care of it. And that's the idea. This is that good ground. It gives the expected results, and it did. And so it sprang up and it bare fruit. It produced a harvest a hundredfold. Again, after the story, one would expect, okay, what's the explanation? A teaching, right? But Jesus doesn't do that. He gives only one exhortation. He cries out, and it's in the imperfect tense, which means he kept crying it out a few times, over and over again. He said, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Literally, to the ones listening with their ears, you need to listen up. Even though everyone heard the parable, Jesus' exhortation implies that some weren't really listening. As Jesus closes out the sermon, we know from Mark and Matthew that some of the listeners, the crowd there, they get a little jaded. They're like, that's all we showed up for? That's all this guy's got? Crazy stories about farmers? And they begin to think that maybe he's lost his mind. Maybe he's going mad. What is this nonsense? We came up to here to see something spectacular, except for one group. The disciples, they want to know what Jesus meant. And so it says in verse 9, his disciples asked him, saying, what might this parable be? What does it exist for? What's the point, Jesus? We, didn't, we want to learn from this. We don't want to just hear it. Again, the word asked there is also imperfect, which means they kept asking. So these guys really wanted to know. They really wanted to learn from Jesus. And that is admirable. Second Peter chapter 1, I believe it's verse 5, it says this. It says, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. We come to faith in Christ. We need to add to that a sincere walk, a sincere desire to get to know him better, a sincere desire to obey him and follow him. 
But if we're going to do that, then we need to learn. <laughs> you know, we need to, we need to grow in the scriptures. We need to add to our virtue knowledge. It's good to be sincere. I know I, it's so sad today. I, I, I wish I didn't hear this, but I frequently will hear people come and be like, wow, thanks for the message today, Pastor Will. I've been a Christian for 20 years, never heard that before. I just want to cry. I'm like, how do you live? There's a sincere desire there to know God's word, a sincere desire, but they don't, they're not taught it, or they've not been taught how to study the word, or that it's important to read their Bible. And as a result, they're, they're struggling in their faith, even though they've got faith and they have virtue. So we need to add to it knowledge. Let's be those who are eager to learn from Jesus like, like these guys were. So they're asking him, what's the point? What's the point? And so Jesus said to him, I'm going to tell you. He says, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to others in parables, that seeing they might not see and hearing they might not understand. Now, I don't know about you, but the first time I read that as a Christian, I was like, that's not very nice, Jesus. You guys, you know, you're here and you want to know, I'll tell you because it's, you know, you guys have a special gift from God that I'm going to explain these mysteries to you. Everybody else, I tell them crazy stories just so they'll confuse them. Is that what Jesus meant? Is that what he's saying? Well, first off, let's address them. Unto you it is given to them the mysteries of the kingdom. The word their mysteries, it's an interesting word. In the Greek culture, they, all their mystery religions would use it for your initiation process. When you would be initiated into a greater knowledge of who this God was that you're worshiping or whatever. The Bible in the New Testament uses it tons of times, but not that way. It uses it to describe the fact that there were truths in the Old Testament that were there, but a lot of people missed them. And in the New Testament, they were revealed more clearly. So Jesus, in telling this parable and the point behind the parable, he's not saying anything new. But what he is doing with them is he's explaining it more fully. That's what he's saying. I'm initiating you into the principles of the kingdom. People didn't understand this before, but I'm, I'm, I'm here to explain it to you now. But for the others, he says, well, I'm not going to do that for them. Now, to understand what Jesus is talking about, we have to realize something. How many of you have in your Bible, this is in italics? Or like in, in maybe it has a special set apart, like it's a you know, section. And the reason for that is because it's a partial quote from Isaiah chapter 6. And anytime you see a quote in the New Testament from the Old Testament, you better go find out where it's from and get the context of it, or you will misunderstand why it's being quoted in the New Testament. So let's go back to Isaiah chapter 6. Give you a little context here. This is the chapter where Isaiah shares his call to ministry. He had a vision of the Lord. He sees the Lord in all of his glory, and he is just, woe is me, I'm a dead man. Because he realizes what a sinner he is, that even if he wasn't, he was around other sinners, he was tainted either way, and that God had to wipe him out. And the Lord sends an angel to cleanse his lips, you know, and, and says, it's okay, don't worry, God didn't bring you here to kill you, Isaiah. He brought you here because he has a job for you to do. And so in Isaiah chapter 6, verse, let's go down to verse 8. Isaiah 6, verse 8, he says, after this has all happened, he says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, pick me, pick me, I'll go, Lord, I'll, I'll pick me. And the Lord says, you don't know what you're signing up for, but all right. And so in verse 9, he gets his commission, his task. This is your job, Isaiah. Go, and this is what you're going to do. You're going to tell this people, Hear you, listen indeed, but don't understand. See indeed, but don't perceive, don't understand. Isaiah, you're going to make the heart of this people fat, which means dull. You're going to talk so many times, preach the same message over and over again, that they're going to be so tired of hearing it, they'll tune you out. 
You're going to make their ears heavy, shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and convert and be healed. Now, you might be saying, Pastor Will, that made it worse. That sounds even worse. God doesn't want them to be saved, so he sent an Isaiah to go preach a message they won't listen to, so God can just simply judge them. Is that what God's saying? It's interesting. Isaiah, he realized how hard this message was because <laughs> he says, Lord, your job is to preach to a people who won't respond. How long, he says. <laughs> how long? Is, that like, is this like the temp job sign up, you know? You know, is this where, you know, it's like last for six months and then I get like the good congregation? Is that how this works? Because I was hoping for the good congregation, you know, where they actually listen to what you're preaching and do what you say and follow the Lord. I was hoping for that congregation. But look at what the Lord says. He says, until the cities be wasted without inhabitant and the houses be without man and the land be utterly desolate and the Lord has removed men far away until he kicks you out of the land, sends you to Babylon and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. How long you gotta do this? Isaiah, until I judge my people, until I bring judgment upon them. So you're gonna preach truth to them. They're not gonna listen to you. They're gonna harden their hearts and as they hear the same message over and over again because they don't wanna listen to you, they'll harden their hearts even more that I have to judge them. And then when I judge them, that's when you'll be done. Now, that's, that's heavy. And yet, if that's where we stop, we miss the whole point. Because look at verse 13. But, yet in it, in what? In this group of people that are going to harden their hearts, they're not going to listen to you, they're not going to respond, I'm going to have to judge them. He says, in that group, there is a remnant. In it shall be a tenth. Just a tenth, Isaiah. Can you imagine that if only 10% of us here were genuine in our faith? It's a small group. 10%. And it shall return and shall be eaten as a teal, teal, teal tree and as an oak whose substance is them. When they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. Fascinating word of choice there. They will listen to God's word. They will listen to Isaiah's preaching. And even though I have to cast the people out and go to Babylon, they'll remain faithful and they're the group that will come back. And they did. There was a remnant. They came back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.